0: Hi guys, welcome to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Alan. Um, a little bit of something different today. Obviously, we focus a lot of our podcasts on superhero-related stuff, whether it's movies, upcoming comic previews, that kind of thing. Um, before, I did do a couple of podcasts with James, um, who's here today. Hello. Uh, and we had reviewed um, Avengers Infinity War, we'd done a Deadpool review, we'd done a little movies preview show, that kind of thing. Uh, this podcast, it's more with, with James in mind rather than ourselves. Um, we're going to be a vehicle for that, um, obviously because we've established a good relationship and chatting through other movie reviews and stuff. But uh, with this one, uh, we've got a couple of reviews lined up, uh, one for an older classic and one for a recent release in the cinema. Um, and the older classic was to mark a special occasion. And in that case, I will pass you over to James to explain that.
1: Thank you very much. Alan, so yeah, um, I'd been doing this now for a couple of years, film reviews, I'd been mostly doing it through my Facebook page, my own Facebook page, and then I kind of took a stab at YouTube, and one night I just sat up and I was like, I wonder how many film reviews I've actually done, and it turned out that uh, this uh, classical film, which we'll get into in a moment, was to celebrate our 250th film review. Woohoo! Yeah! So, it was a really fun night actually, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, what we did was we... Hired out well. I, t- I always say that like you weren't there. Yeah, we uh we hired out a um a cinema just in the outskirts I did of
0: none of the work. Way. By the way, I was just a uh, a viewer. <laughs>
1: you were the patron. Just yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, I hired out a cinema in the outskirts of Cumber. Um. Called the Excelsior Cinema. Um. For those of you who haven't heard of it, it's <clears throat> pardon me. It's run by a guy called Roy, who basically, like, built it for his own pleasure, his own personal use, and then um if you get in touch with him via facebook you actually have the card there yeah (coughs) um he then you know he can hire it out to you um on a certain day and time for whatever it could just be like a group get together or it could be for special occasions such as this um and it's an amazing place yeah i mean it's it's
0: it's seating for up to 30 people it was um six rows of five from what i can remember and we got chatting with roy afterwards he was telling us how some of the seats were repurposed from the old curzon and lights were from the ivy in london and this and that i mean when when we drove up to it i was slightly concerned i was getting (laughs) very hills have eyes vibes it was in the middle of absolutely nowhere um but we got there and it's like the first thing that came to my mind when I looked at it was life goals it was like an old 50s drive-in movie theater it had you know the banner out the front the display which said you know welcomes James tonight's movie is heat (laughs) oh giving things away there Ah. um but you step inside he's decorated with all 50s monster movie posters um it was just it's it's such a cool place and there might be a little bit more information on this regarding us later on, but we'll we'll get to that as well. Um, but for now, even though I've kind of spoiled it, <laughs> I'll leave it to uh, James to tell you how the 250th movie was chosen.
1: Yeah, so um, we basically, uh, i kind of started up a group chat with pretty much anyone who had ever been involved in one of my film reviews, uh, whether it was given a like, whether it was being cameraman or woman, or actually being part of the review and in it. Uh, so I kind of went through all the years of films that I'd reviewed and from each year I picked three films which came to a total of twelve altogether. So I put out the tally in the group chat and it was just like okay, just you know, rather than give me the name I was like, here's the number, you know, pick one of the twelve, you know, gimme it And so people came through and then there was a wee, wee bit of controversy happened, so one or two people really weren't that fussed on what we meant to see. So they were like, decide for us so I did kind of sway this to my advantage, and I was then like, okay, so I was like, how's oh, about something that not a lot of people have heard of, you know, but they'll enjoy it, I thought anyway. So I picked Hounds of Love, and then after the announcement, I made a wee short video and all for it, and I put up the trailer in the group chat so everyone could see what they're in for, and that did not go down well <laughs> at all.
0: I still haven't heard of this movie, by the way. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I kind of got like lambasted with a lot of like backlash. People being like, seriously, it's like. How
0: dare you choose the movie for your 250th <laughs> movie? I know, right? Yeah, no. uh,
1: but they were like, but for such a special occasion, they were like, something that dark. And they were like, well, you know, it's like, Jesus, there's like, you know, um, basically, Hounds of Love, it's an Australian horror film from last year. And uh, me and Ryan had went to see it and knew very little about it other than the trailer. Uh, Ryan didn't even get a chance to watch the trailer. We went in, were completely blown away. it was based loosely, very loosely on uh abductions that were happening around that time in mm-hmm. Perth in Australia. I think it think it was the eighties it was setting and it's basically this couple who abducted school uh children, took them home, and raped and murdered them eventually so yeah pretty pretty grim stuff. so after everyone then yeah given me that feedback, I was like okay i was like let's let's redo this so." I then kind of just picked the two films that I thought everyone would be interested in, which was Neon Demon or Heat, and then eventually we were like right. It, Thankfully, yeah, <laughs> we fell on Heat. Yeah, Heat. So
0: I still haven't seen Neon Demon. Um, I you really do like. Should. I do like Nicholas Winding Refn? Rifn. No idea. How you're Basically, the guy who directed Drive. Um, Drive is personally one of my favorite movies, but his follow up was a piece of shit called Only God Forgives which is one of the most stylish-looking movies in the world. It's absolutely gorgeous to look at, but it has zero plot, zero character. It was a real disappointment, to be honest, after. Because Drive... Drive's not got the most complicated plot in the world, but it's got a straightforward, cool plot that makes sense, great music, great performances. That was Ryan Gosling, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, I've still yet to see it. Same guy for both. You've never seen Drive? Nope. Drive's fantastic. Um drive is genuinely a really wonderful throwback to the 70s um sort of style of filmmaking it's the kind of movie you can imagine you know john frankenheimer making or william freak that kind of guy but as i say drive was wonderful only god forgives was terrible and then neon demon i still don't know a lot about it i think it's a horror movie set in the fashion industry or something like that yeah basically, to put it on basic terms
1: yeah it's like see you would love i think because you just said you would love like You know how stylish it is. Like, I think you would really love the look of it. But only God forgives, it was
0: stylish and I hated it. And it was so frustrating because (laughs) it was so stylish. It was like, there's a great movie here. It's all about like Thai underground boxing and stuff. Could have been brilliant. But no, it was just painful to watch. But Leon
1: Demon has like elephantine and beautiful looking models who are also cannibals. If, if, that's what, if that's what gets you going because <laughs> yeah, it was the first film I'd actually seen Elle Fanning in like, I'd heard a lot about her obviously being Dakota Fanning's younger sister mm-hmm. I was like oh okay yeah, yeah and me and my friend it was actually the first film we saw in Queen's Film Theatre uh, and when we found out you, you could purchase alcohol and actually take it into the screen with you it was great <laughs> and so we went and saw it and I was like wow I was like I've never seen a film before Obviously indie films. That's kind of what got me started on it. And yeah. I even got a tattoo to commemorate that. Think of that, what you will. But <laughs> um, I yeah, I came out of it. Like we loved it. We were just like it had the plot. It had the characters. Elle Fanning being so young and innocent, then but also being like I can't really think of the word, but you know, young and innocent, but at the same time, like ruthless aggression almost, and mm. how I just cold and calculated she is to the world at times, and it was, it was just enta- and the soundtrack as well.
0: Yeah, it's one good thing yeah, he is very good at track. with his movies, but um, but we digress slightly here. Um, as always, we'll just <laughs> ramble on about other stuff. But I'm very glad that as as great as an Australian, uh, kids abduction rape, movie sounds and it sounds wonderful. Um, I was very happy with the choice that was made in the end because it's actually one of my personal top ten favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, which was. He and may I just clarify, for those people out there who are probably fans of things like Love Island, we are not talking about the Sandra Bullock piece of crap. We are talking about the 1995 masterpiece by Al Pacino, uh, sorry, by Michael Mann, starring Al Pacino, Robert De Niro and Val Kilmer. Yep. Um, Bankist movie, it's basically... You could narrow it down, I think, heat to basically the world's best, most driven cop chases the world's most driven thief. Yeah. Um. It's two cold calculating rules. It's a movie about polar opposites. Um. It does have a near three-hour running time, which James failed to mention to some of his friends. Uh. And then I mentioned it on the night, and he got a few dirty looks. Um. But it's for me, it's one of those movies that it's nearly three hours, but there's not a wasted scene. I think yeah. every scene is important in that movie. Uh, i think that it's pure character development there's quiet moments there's loud moments this is something i actually said to you going in as well because you think of heat you think of the amazing action sequence in the middle of the bank heist mm-hmm. shot on shot for real well not probably for real but shot yeah. on the streets of la which um, we'll get
1: into in depth a bit more later it's
0: <laughs> it's just unparalleled in terms of a real world action set piece yep but the thing with heat and in a sense, it made it almost a strange movie choice for this 250th review because obviously you're sitting with friends, you've got the cinema to yourself, you can chat through it, you can, you know, have a few drinks, get really into it, have a bit of a party atmosphere. But Heat's quite a quiet movie.
1: Which I didn't really pick up on when yeah. you told me. I was like, ah. Oh.
0: Yeah, I sort of pre-warned you a little bit before it because I've seen Heat genuinely 20 times. I absolutely adore it watched it with commentary i've broken it down i I think it's a brilliant movie um but it's really quiet like even the opening there's no dialogue in the opening 10 minutes it's all just just, robert de niro arriving you know going through the hospital and again this is this goes back to his cold calculating character see if you watch it closely he doesn't touch any surfaces see anything he opens he uses his arm or he nudges into the door he leaves no fingerprints it's little details like that you don't Ah, pick up on the first time yeah But the only time you start getting dialogue is when Val Kilmer goes to pick up some generic explosives. And he talks about being in a union and stuff like that. And then you have the scene with Vincent Hanna and his wife and, you know, trying to have a little more glory. Um, Clearly their marriage is failing, you can see at this point. Even in the way they're trying to, you know, enjoy each other, shall we say. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so basically Heated at its its base level is a movie about a very driven LA cop called Vincent Hanna. And a very driven uh, thief called Neil McCauley, played by De Niro. And the movie starts off where they pull off one heist, but a guy messes up. Big time. Uh, yeah. Big time messes up. A guy called Wayne Groh, who is basically a hothead. It's his first time working with Neil's crew. They steal everything they need to steal. They could walk away, but some guy gives him a dirty look, so he decides that his exact words are, you want to fuck with me, I'll show you who you're fucking with, and shoots him in the head. Yeah. And then because they're a professional crew, and this is something Vincent notices later on, he says, you know, once they kill one guy, may as well kill the other two, because what difference does it make? Yeah. Um, but then it goes from there, and Neil's crew then go to kill this guy, Wayne Grove, but he manages to slip away, and then that's an undercurrent from there on in, but, and Vincent is obviously called in to investigate it. Um... What are your impressions of it? You've, was this your first time seeing it, or have you seen no, it
1: before? No, no, I've seen it a couple of times as well. Um, yeah, It's just sensational. The first time I ever actually watched it was uh, my dad had like, lent it to me on DVD back in the day, and he was like, oh, he's like, you know, you'll really enjoy this. And I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, it looks up my street. <clears throat> Went home, can't remember whether it was that night or the week after or whatever, and finally watched it, sat down, and I was like, wow. I was like, that's a good film. Yeah. It's, you could... I suppose if you, you know, I suppose you could say it is technically slightly responsible for me getting into films as much as I did, because you could say it would be the first film that I had actual thoughts on and, mm-hmm. you know, and then... It
0: wasn't just entertainment that yeah, watched over yeah, you and then you was, moved yeah, on to the next thing.
1: Pretty much, yeah, because I mean, that was that was a good lot of years whenever I got that on DVD for the first time. I was probably only about maybe 18, 19 Perhaps
0: so thought you were gonna say eight yeah. or nine. <laughs>
1: Just, yeah, like, I mean, I know I
0: was watching, I know I was watching Van Damme movies at eight and nine, but you know, Heat's yeah, not really was... the kind of movie I think that would keep an eight-year-old's attention.
1: No, no, no. no. Yeah, but as like as like still like a you know like a teenager like prime, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> well, then again, I've always been the type of teenager. It's like, yeah, you know, party nights, and it's like, yeah, DVD and. You know, a tin of Coke. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just it's yeah. You know, but it Regular just, Dawson Leary. Yeah, it was, just, <laughs> it was just phenomenal. Like you, like you said, there's not a wasted scene in it, and um, and it was funny that there were a couple of people in the theater that night who did think we were referring to them, Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock. Yeah,
0: thankfully we weren't.
1: <clears throat> no, and uh, it was actually I think it was only really Rachel. Rachel's cancer She was like, seriously. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah. And so it was like, okay, I, was like, I understand. <laughs>
0: I mean he it's the kind of movie I think that you'll either really love or it's not for you it's It's got a very specific tone which it doesn't deviate from to me it's adult entertainment you know it doesn't spoon feed you answers it doesn't it's not um loads of big action sequences and dramatic last minute escapes and stuff like that um i mean, I'm not sure who it was that said it, but at the end of the movie. James sort of went around everyone and said, you know, what would you give it out of 10 and this kind of thing? And someone actually, and I'll never forget these words, but oh my God, I can't believe someone said this. They said, I missed Love Island for this. (laughs) And I've never been more appalled in my life.
1: I can name and shame right now if you wish.
0: I leave that up to you. So I do. Um, (laughs) Bryony. Yeah. There you
1: go. (laughs) Um, She was the first one, actually. It was between her and Claire because they were sitting together. And I knew none of them knowing it was that length of a film, and I knew Clara just being in general, like <sighs> as, get you if you go through our back catalogue, anything she's done with me and my sister, four, three, and she's and she did turn around, whilst filming our review, and she did say three, and it's like three yes. out
0: of three if you ask me, <laughs> but yeah, that was. <laughs> I'm still getting over that statement, to be honest, you know, i got to <laughs> okay. admit.
1: Your face just dropped, you were like, really? And then you're like, no, I'm not going to go into it. Mean, for you me, it's a
0: proper go- 10, as I'm sure you could probably guess, but yeah, it's just, it's a, a brilliant, brilliant movie. Here um,
1: comes the postman. Here's
0: our usual postman coming in. One sec. See, it doesn't really matter whether we review this at nine in the morning or at four in the afternoon, it's, uh, you can always guarantee a postman's going to come in <laughs> without feel. So anyway. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> yeah, just just going back to heat as I say, it's just for me, it's pure adult entertainment. It's the kind of movie that I think was very very unfairly overlooked at the Oscars that year. Um, I, I only
1: so I only actually found that out the other night that it did not get any nominations. No, I was like, what?
0: It's a genre movie, is you know. It ultimately, <laughs> it's a it's a cops and robbers genre movie, and Still. <laughs> you know, Oscars would rather give movies the crap, like you know, the King's Speech, which is always my go to crap movie. Um a movie about a rich entitled prince learning not to stutter in public. But you watch something like Heat and it's just meticulous, it's calculated, there's amazing score to it. I mean, there's one scene in the middle of it. And it's it's probably my second favourite scene of the whole movie. Because my favourite is the shootout. But there's this scene where just before the shootout they um they have a different job lined up and they break into this place. Um perfectly you know one guy's up a telephone pole turning the alarm off one guy's you know opening the door as quiet as possible Robert De Niro's character's watching from the shadows to make sure no one's paying attention but the police are on to them at this point and they're sitting in a um a van just across the way and there's this one cop on there who is clearly this is just you know his day job he doesn't really care about it and he just he's walking around he's pacing he's bored and it reaches a point where um he sits down and his gun clatters off the side of the van. And Neil sort of hears the like the most minute of sounds. But that puts him off. He's like, walk away, walk away. We haven't done anything, walk away. And then that's where they find out they're being tailed. It's a wonderful scene. There's like no again, no dialogue. It goes back to what I said about it being a quiet movie. Yeah. There's no dialogue for maybe six, seven minutes. Um but yeah. As I say, that leads us then to the shootout, which, you know, Everything from the soundtrack to the execution of it to it's it's interesting you say with heat being, you know, something you got on D V D and so forth. Yeah. I used to use heat as an example of how good Blu ray could be and I wow. always use this scene for it in terms of pumping the volume up loud, in terms of picture clarity. Um, I always use this as an example because for fifteen minutes you you don't even notice yourself breathe, you know, watching yeah, this scene.
1: And even watching it in in that in that theater, you know, fair enough. It was you know your standard projection setup, but it was still pretty pretty impressive. It was incredible. <coughs> and I I as, soon as I saw it actually, you know, it's about to happen. I just turned to Ben beside me, and I was just like, Man. I was like, you know, no matter how many times I've seen this scene, it gets me so riled up because it's yeah. like, here it is, and it's just you see them walk into the bank, and again they do it very methodically. They do it very. Yeah, covering all the angles. Yeah. yeah,
0: they're they're clearly professionals.
1: Yeah, they don't go in gun ho. They literally walk on in. They have a bag each. You know, they cover their their kind of viewpoints, as you could say. Yeah. Um, their vantage points, even, and then.
0: I mean, even losing their driver just before it starts yeah. doesn't throw them off a beat. They just find um, someone else. Um, but obviously it's because of Wingrove, the guy who got away at the start, that this becomes a problem. Yeah. So
1: it does. And then so they just kind of walk on in, and then they get. Uh, they end up kind of starting to kick things off. So. But that's get,
0: it. If the cops hadn't have shown up, there actually wouldn't have been a shot fired.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And um, that's
0: what was so good about it. You know, they even make a really good point that you don't want to say they're nice thieves. They're just professionals. <laughs> yeah. But it, but they basically say look, like, we're not here to steal your money. Your money's insured by the federal government. Yeah. Um. You know, think of your families. If anybody feels sick anybody's pregnant, they need to lean up, that's fine, let us know. You know, they're not, they're not your standard, you know, everybody on the ground, you yeah. know, we're here to rob the banks, you know, <laughs> make a move and we'll kill you. You know, they're, it's a weird thing to say they're thoughtful thieves, but they're just professionals. They see this as their profession. And that is um, summed up in a later scene when De Niro and Pacino face off, which I can't believe I said the bank scene's my favourite part of the movie. My favourite oh, nice. part of the movie is the sit-down. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, no, but like the the but yeah, but the shoot I'd seen. The bank's most impressive there. scene. There you go. But and it's, it's that scene then when Val Kilmer, you know, they're walking out, and literally, you know that the kind of it's the beat almost the soundtrack. It's like, yeah. You know. Do 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 do. You know, it's yeah, it's it, and then you see Val Kilmer, he's all smiles, and as he's about to get in, the camera he's pans. Think,
0: he's thinking of all the gambling he can yeah, do.
1: Yeah. The the camera pans across the road. He sees the cops and literally...
0: Doesn't miss a beat. Gun straight just, up. Yeah. You and, know? It,
1: and I mean, they're M16s. Yeah. Everyone's which, holding an M16.
0: Which he reloaded so amazingly that apparently some like SAS veteran said he could have been in like a Secret Service or something because he was that good. Yeah. He was like a trained professional.
1: And it it's just... I mean, it would blow your ears off, you know. Yeah. And,
0: it's <laughs> and it was all shot, as I say, on the streets of LA. They closed down like three blocks of the city or something. Yeah to shoot all that um
1: they did and that's um, the
0: other impressive thing about heat like the whole movie is shot in la it's not yeah there's nothing on sound stages it's all real locations like i know that for example i've read up on it since where the table where de niro and pacino have their face off Mm -hmm. like that's like the most requested table in that restaurant in america like people call it the heat table (laughs) and people want to go and have photos taken at it (laughs) you know because it's a real location. I I don't I can't think of any part there's a soundstage. Maybe like some of the interiors, maybe, but by and large it's all shot at the docks or it's shot at this you know, it's shot in the bank or it's shot on the streets or and it gives it that great authenticity as well. (coughs) Um but yeah, going on to the scene, I can't believe I didn't say it was my favorite. Like it's amazing that De Niro and Pacino have probably had very similar careers at this point for maybe twenty years you know, they're respected thespians, top of their field, they were in the Godfather movies, they were in Scarface, they were in Raging Bull, they were in Taxi Driver, they were in Serpico, it was just movie after movie, and they'd never shared the screen before, Um, you know, they're both in the Godfather part two, but De Niro's as playing Vito Corleone in the flashbacks, so they're different eras, and this was the first scene they'd ever sat down and acted across from each other, and it's just a tour de force, it's quiet, it's meticulous, it's I mean, the scene itself is very basic. It's basically just saying, if you continue trying to rob these banks, I'm going to stop you. That's all the scene is. (laughs) It's pretty much They elevate it. They talk about, like, what a real life is, you know, what is it, barbecues and ball games, you know. This real life, is that your life, he says to the cop. And he's like, no, my life's a disaster. You know, I'm on my third marriage. I'm, you know, I'm in a house that I don't want to be there. I've got a fucked up stepdaughter, you know. Yeah. That that's what's really interesting yeah. about this movie. It's the oppositions of the two. I, I it was only something I noticed this time watching it. But in the movie, Neil Macaulay, who's the professional thief, who sh- who by all accounts should be the bad guy who's punished and in, in the end he is. But he's the one at the beginning of a rela- a relationship. He's got that new spark of meeting someone and opening up to someone and saying, like, let's plan a future together. And he's the bad guy, and yet the good guy is married and they're at the end of their relationship like yeah, but you have to think after the credits God roll he's pardon. he's going to divorce courts <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know she said like can we not try and he's like no we'll, imagine, we'll have to we we'll have to be realistic here it's not going to work
1: imagine that's an credit scene just him <laughs> stacking into the divorce yeah. court queue, just <laughs> you know you but it's
0: it's interesting it's just a movie of oppositions the whole way through it
1: <clears throat> one line that stands out for me during that scene is uh McCullough and he says to Hannah he's like you know a friend of mine once told me um you know don't get yourself attached to anything that you're not willing to walk out on 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner yeah that is just pinnacle like goosebumps you're just like oh it's like almost calling them out sort of thing yeah just well that's what's great
0: about it they recognize each other as professionals it's not like he looks at Pacino and goes like oh you're some nickel and dime cop you're whatever you're you're never gonna beat me he's just basically saying Look, I take down scores. You do what you do. You try to stop guys taking down scores. You know, there's a lot of respect between the two there, which obviously then leads to the um, the finale. Now, the finale's the one thing in Heat that... It's not that it's a weakness to it for me. It's just you want Macaulay to get away with it, I think. He's oh, shown yeah, nothing absolutely. but loyalty the whole way through mm-hmm. the movie. He takes care of Chris. He... Um. You know, he looks out for him, even looks out for his marriage saying like, look, give it one more shot or, you know, if it doesn't work, I'll set you up myself. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. he's, he's a really, you don't want to say he's a decent guy because ultimately he robs banks and he <laughs> is responsible for the death of some security guards and stuff. It? But he's ultimately, it's not that he's a decent guy, it's that he's got a very strict moral code, like you take care of me, I'll take care of you. Um, don't fuck with me, I won't fuck with you, all that kind of stuff. And you kind of want him to get away with it at the end. 100%, Do you want
1: to get away with it? Like, but, it's, it's like, come on, McCullough.
0: Yeah, but a, but a movie like this, yeah, I suppose the guilty have to be punished. The bad guys oh, have yeah. to lose. Um, but at the same time, there's this respect. I mean, even De Niro says, you know, I'm never going back to prison, you know. And in fairness, that's the final line of the movie. He's like, after Vin, like, Vincent shoots him and he's, he's dying, he says, I told you I was never going back. And it's not like after he shoots him, Vincent goes, we need an ambulance here, we need to save his life. He's like, he accepts that he wants to die. Yeah. He's like, look, I'm not going to save you and throw you in jail. I respect you. The cat and mouse game's over, but I'm going to let you die here. And it's a very, again, another quiet moment. Um, But again, like, the, the stuff I noticed from watching it that I'd never noticed it before is nuts. Like, see when see at the end where they're in the airport all the planes are landing as they're running after each other but and all these lights keep lighting up yeah you, and,
1: s- you said as you and it, as they enter it they take off yeah and that's end end, it it's almost like
0: off. it's his final journey he's taking off on um and then when he gets shot all the planes are landing it's almost like the journey's at an end there's just all this great symbolism i'd never noticed before and that's Again, what I think one of the strengths of Pete is that, having seen it 20 times, I still <laughs> notice new stuff. Yeah. there's new layers to it. After I saw this movie the first time, I just searched out everything Michael Mann had done. Um, you know, the, Michael Mann would go on to do collateral, which is another fantastic movie.
1: We, I'm, I'm feeling really strongly about reviewing that as well. Uh, it's one of my top stories. brilliant movies.
0: Well, which of course will give us a nice segue to our second review as it stars the second best actor in the world, uh, Tom does, Cruise.) Uh, um, but again, Collateral's another one of those. Like, at the end, I was fucking raging.
1: I, I, but the ending's just so good. Because, again, it has that symbolism in it. Um, yeah, you know, the story. Where he tells the story at the yeah. start, and at the very end, he's like, you know, guy gets on the NTA here, dies. Yeah, again, one no goes, one notices. And, yeah. is, yeah, and I, I was just like, oh.
0: Spoilers for the end of Collateral. Oh, come on. It's been out for, what, Jeez.
1: 14 years now? <laughs>
0: well, one of the things that always annoyed me about Collateral got cleared up when I watched the commentary track, because at the end, it always bugged me that even though vincent had been shot he was ultimately a trained professional killer and jimmy fox's character really shouldn't have even picked up a gun in his life and he's able to shoot tom cruise through the doors yeah and tom cruise misses but if you go back and look if you remember when um vincent kills uh the guy in the club he shoots him three times in the chest yeah that's the three that's the three shots he aims for in jimmy fox at the end it's just the, the split in the doors in the way so he actually did shoot him, oh. like, as his trained mind would be, like, straight to the heart, instant kill. Yeah. And the only reason he doesn't kill him is because they're dividing the doors, separately. Ah. So that gave me a. That um that made that end of that movie a bit better for me, oh. I have to say.
1: Yeah, because I always felt that myself. It's like, oh, come on, you couldn't hit that. Like, you know, come on. Yeah,
0: but yet someone who's never fired a gun before can shoot him, but.
1: It's hard, yeah.
0: But uh, that's collateral, that's another time. Yep. Um. But yeah, just bring it down, uh, just a final word on Heat, I thought it was um a very good choice of movie for something that was sort of a monumental moment, because this feels like a monumental moment in cinema for me. The 90s is often known as the decade of excess, as well as the 80s, the decade of excessive action movies and over-the-top stuff, you know, you die hard with a vengeance, you're um, the Rock, Bad Boys, Armageddon it's all over the top, machismo whereas this was almost like a quiet underlying movie that was just brilliantly acted, brilliantly written brilliantly directed um, I would put it in the top 3 movies in the 90's personally, can't give it any higher praise than that of course I say all this and then Armageddon would be in my top 3 but <laughs> I have such a soft spot for Armageddon, That's such a soft spot um, but yeah 10 out of 10 movie for me
1: Hundred percent, ten out of ten, and the fact that it wasn't even considered for an Oscar yeah. is criminal. And yeah, I feel I just felt really sad when I read that. I was like, oh come on.
0: Yeah, we um, they they would share a screen together again years later, De Niro and Pacino. But well, the less we talk about that, the better. What was it? Oh, it was an awful movie with like Fifty Cent in it as well. I think it was called Righteous Kill. And oh. they were they were partners, but it was this was in the. De Niro meet the parents stage of his career. It was in the "We'll do anything for a paycheck," but um, as an interesting post note, there is a movie that's currently being shot by Martin Scorsese, called The Irishman, and it's gonna have Pacino, De Niro, and I can't believe he hasn't acted for about fifteen years. Joe Pesci, um, and it's gonna be a Netflix movie. Apparently, it's got been given like a hundred and twenty million budget or something ridiculous. Um, but that's something hey, to look box. out for next year. So hopefully, that'll be something that is comparable to to
1: Heat. Could this be the first time that a Netflix film maybe gets an Oscar nod? Yeah, it depends. <laughs> Apparently they have to have theatrical distribution to even be considered. That's the
0: problem. Could, um, yeah,
1: because there was a brief conversation I remember hearing about, or a debate hearing about this, being like, because there are some good films on Netflix that you yeah. watch and you're like, here, you know, for a streaming service, it's yeah. pretty good. And then people were like, I can't remember what one it was, but people had said, you know, why wasn't this ever given a look for the Oscars and all this here? and. Yeah. Yeah, well, well I've
0: even heard Netflix are considering buying like their own theatre chain like that's how scarily big Netflix is getting uh, if you think of Netflix they started off by posting out DVDs in the post um,
1: Oh my god yeah. yeah It used to be
0: Netflix and Love Film I think was the other one ah. uh, but that's how they started it used to be like if you were following say you you put The Sopranos on your wish list they'd send you one disc at a time Um. so when you send the other disc back they'd send another one in Nice but anyway, uh, we'll bring that then down in the final word on heat. Uh, so that was movie review 250, um, which will be followed very quickly by 251, yeah. uh, which will be, as I say, the connective tissue being collateral, Tom Cruise, moving on to Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, which we'll chat about after this. <laughs> So we're back and this time as I say we'll uh will be review number 251 which is Mission Impossible Fallout. Um quick note on Mission Impossible movies for me anyway. Um it's a series that I love. I think it's it's one of those strange series that I think's got better and better with each movie. Um number 2 except of course because it's definitely the the low point of the of the series. Um, but it 's one of those movies i don 't know or movie franchises i don 't know what it is. They just get better with each one. Rogue Nation for me was in a special a special high point it 's almost like the first couple of movies were aimed at a popcorn munching not paying attention audience. You know they were lowest common denominator movies, and as they 've went on they 've set up these conspiracies they 've they 've made a very adult entertainment i think that 's what I love about it it doesn 't spoon feed you answers it doesn 't you know it doesn't simplify plot although maybe you'll totally disagree with me on all of this but like i just think it's smart adult entertainment i don't think we get enough of that in the cinema anymore i think too many movies are aimed at teenager oh, god i sound like such an old man um, too many movies like the last movie i can think of to put on a similar level to the mission impossible movies is something like inception it's a high concept idea it's brilliantly executed it rewards you paying attention but it has just at its base level great action scenes and it's just edgier seat entertaining. Now, with Mission Impossible Fallout, I saw the trailers, I watched one of them, I tried not to watch the rest because I hate trailers giving away too much. I mean, we're on our third Venom trailer, it's not out for another six months. I thought it
1: was only the second one.
0: Oh no, there was a teaser, then there was a trailer, then there was a third trailer. Ah. Um. So, with Mission Impossible Fallout, it and I ca I kinda of gained notoriety mostly for Henry Cavill's mustache before anything else.
1: Mustache gate.
0: Mustache gate, yeah. I <laughs> actually read an interesting article on this history. Christopher Macquarie, who directed and wrote Mission Impossible Fallout, but also Rogue Nation. Apparently he agreed to let them shave it. And they went through all this really complicated process and then Henry Cavill was gonna grow it back and Warner Brothers were gonna pay for the digital alteration to add the facial hair back in as it grew. And they went through this for a couple of weeks, set it all up with schedules, and then one of the heads of Paramount walked in and went, what the fuck are we doing? No, we're not doing that. <laughs> and just shut it all down. <laughs> but apparently Christopher McQuarrie was going to allow it. Um, but anyway, that's all by the by. <laughs> so, yeah, Mission Impossible Fallout. This um finds Ethan uh, with uh, the same team as has been set up through the movie. Simon Pegg's character's back for his fourth movie. Thing Rames, is in there. And the movie kicks off where they're trading for... Basically a nuclear core, and Ethan's given this choice in the first sort of ten minutes. It's Benji, isn't it? Save yeah. Benji yeah. or secure the core, and this was where I thought to myself, this is why this is going to be a good movie, because Mission Impossible movies have all been about like Ethan the action hero, but they've not they've very rarely been about Ethan forming relationships. You know the one marriage he had disintegrates very quickly, um. Whereas in this. Ethan, when the Mission Impossible movie started, Ethan was all about the mission. In this, he chooses his friend, and then that leads to obviously permutations later on. Um, And the core gets stolen, and then they gotta set up to try and get it back, and also locate the others. Um, So that's that's the basic setup of it, Um, as well as obviously once he loses the core, the CIA get involved, and then they appoint their own point man to shadow Ethan and make sure he's not up to his usual hijinks, shall we say, and that's played by Henry Cavill who um, I thought was very good in the role uh, yeah, a, he, yeah he was a little bit one dimensional in some places but
1: it's... I, to me it kind of showed that he can actually play a pretty good antagonist in a sense yeah. as well as a superhero which I really enjoyed
0: well that's true I mean you you sort of think especially towards the end of Justice League he's more <laughs> of a smiling Superman and in this he's the complete opposite but
1: oh sorry but Justice League? It,
0: it does exist it does exist <laughs> um, but I mean, it's worth having him in this movie just from reloading his arms as he goes to punch someone. Um, <laughs> that's by the by. <laughs> now, with Mission Impossible, I walked out of it. I expected it to be good because, as, again, as I say, I'm a fan. But when I walked out of it, I genuinely... I couldn't believe I thought this, but I thought, and I do still believe it, I think this is the best movie of this year. Now, unfortunately, me saying that to some people close to me James being one of them, yep. <laughs> maybe unfortunately raised their expectations. Because I, I didn't go in with those expectations. I went in with the expectations of, this is going to be a good movie. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to walk out. I'm going to forget about it. But it really struck a chord with me watching it. I sat open-jawed the whole time. The sheer amount of stuff filmed in camera is staggering. Like, there there's, there's no doubt that, you know, digital effects have reached a point where you don't even notice them sometimes. And I'm sure they've added cars here and narrow escapes there and stuff. But... I was I was trying to work this out earlier. How old are you?
1: Twenty-six.
0: Twenty-six. If you add your age and my age, we're nearly at the age of Tom Cruise.
1: Yeah, that is just... This
0: man is fifty-six years old and he's yeah. jumping between twenty-story buildings, riding motorcycles through France, um, hanging off the side of mountains. There there was one point in it where he's chasing Henry Cavill's character through it's through London, I think, off the top of my head. And he's running over rooftops and stuff like that. And he eventually gets up to where Henry Cavill gets into a helicopter and flies away. But it cuts to this big, massive, wide shot. And he's standing on top of the building overlooking all of London. That's a weird thought, but all I could think to myself was this is Tom Cruise's world and we just live in it. <laughs> I, I don't know where that thought came from, but I was just I was just so... Imagine being in a position where you can stand on top of a building and literally lord it over an entire city. And it's just like, yeah, this is a Tuesday for me. You know it's it's incredible
1: to me. But I did notice in that shot. He stands awfully close to the edge. That's from my all I comfort. could think. Yeah. I was
0: like, "Good God, Tom!" Well, this is Step it. Step back. You know, there's certain scenes that he's on wires and this yeah. and that, and they digitally erase it. But there's nowhere for them to place wires on top of that and same, similar yeah, to you you He's I, standing about three feet from the edge, and yeah, you're like,
1: I was like, "Tom,
0: Tom, you're not a young man anymore. You know, you might stumble." <laughs> but yeah. it's um, I I have nothing but the utmost respect for Tom Cruise. He. Obviously, he has his own personal beliefs and whatever. I don't care. That's nothing to do with me. I'm interested in him as a movie star. And I've always loved his movies. I think he takes great choices in movies. It would have been easy for him to come out of the 80s and just do rom-coms and make an easy living for the rest of his life. But he didn't. He chose movies like Born on the Fourth of July. He chose movies like Magnolia. He chose movies like Vanilla Sky. But at the same time, set up his own franchise with Mission Impossible. Um, so I've, if a Tom Cruise movie comes out, I'll go see it. Bottom line. He's the second greatest living actor, if you ask me.
1: Who's the first?
0: Ah. Of course you can't see in a podcast, but I'm actually wearing a a t-shirt from uh, Escape from New York. Kurt Russell is the greatest actor of all time. (laughs) Uh, Man just commands a scene no matter what he's in. But another reason I love Vanilla Sky, because it's Tom Cruise and Kurt Russell. Awesome. Uh, But that's by the by. Um, Yeah, so I'm obviously nothing but gushing in my praise of this movie. Uh, I thought it was edge of your seat entertaining, I thought the stunts were inventive, I thought that they linked it to every single Mission Impossible movie brilliantly, which I can't believe they did. Like the first movie they link because the arms dealer is Max's daughter, so that's the arms dealer he deals with in the first movie.
1: Right.
0: The second movie is just a quick throwaway thing but it's just Tom Cruise like climbing up the side of a mountain, that's how the second movie begins. The third movie obviously had his wife um, and then it links from there on and they talk about the other missions. Um, I know I'm talking a lot here I promise I am nearly finished and we'll get to the negative guy in the room
1: in a second <laughs> that's, that's rich, <laughs> but which makes a change I have to say
0: usually it's me complaining but um, you're probably not used to me sort of gushing praise so much but what I love about it as well and again obviously we're chatting about this I'll put up a spoiler warning anyway at, at the start but one of the things that again I absolutely adored about this was they found a way to bring back Ethan's wife they don't bring her back as the damsel in distress. They don't bring her back as, Ethan, I've missed you, you're amazing. They don't bring it back as, we're gonna kill her so that it um affects Ethan. They found a way to bring her into the movie that made sense, showed that she's moved on and she's happy. We'll always have a, We'll always love Ethan, but walks away from him at the end. I mean, that to me was incredible. I mean, usually when you bring a character back like that, we're gonna kill her or we're gonna hang her off the side of a yeah. mountain. But she, and she was no damsel in distress. She was there disarming the bomb with Luther. Yeah, it's not like she's like, oh my god, <laughs> Ethan, how did this all happen? You better save us. Uh, I don't know. I I talk about I get I get goosebumps about it. I like the last sequence alone, between them disarming bombs and, um, Ethan fighting with Henry Cavill's character to get this uh, switch back for it. I genuinely thought that failed.
1: Yeah, so did I. Actually, at the the very last yeah. bit second, because. From where obviously the switch is, yeah, to where he is, yeah, and I was like, like that's that's physically, I get it. It's Hollywood film. Yeah. I understand, but you do from the geography, split was yeah. brilliantly set up. Yeah, it's like you do for a split moment and you're like oh my god, like it's actually just yeah. happened.
0: Well, that's this is what amazes me about these movies, especially six movies in, like they're in a way they're comfort movies. You know the good guys are gonna win in the end. You know yeah. they are. Yeah. You know the yeah, fifth Sam, movie, yeah. they they trap them in the glass case. Yeah. In the fourth movie, uh, the bomb's about to hit San Francisco. Mission accomplished for a little moment as well, because mm-hmm. nothing happens <laughs> and, and anyway, uh, but they always succeed. But for a for a good three to four seconds at the end of this, you think, holy shit, they've actually failed, because the way the sunrise comes up and the sunlight comes up, you actually think that's the nuclear bomb explosion. Yeah. The, yeah. I actually turned to my other half. And was like. And then, you know, felt the comfort again. Oh, sorry, they succeeded. (laughs) It just amazes me that this movie can do this to me because similar to James, I mean, I've seen a lot of movies in my life and, you know, at certain points you become slightly jaded or things become predictable. But that's why I love this movie. I didn't think it was predictable. But now I'm going to turn you over for my gushing praise. He even has notes. He even has notes. I look forward to dispelling (laughs) all of these. Um, But again, what we must say at this point is, all movies are subjective. You know, if I hate a movie, it doesn't mean you do. If he hates a movie, it doesn't mean I do. We'll have our own opinions, guys. But uh, that's my gushing praise over. I'll uh, turn you over to Negative Nancy over there.
1: <laughs> you can't talk. a 2nd like, I'm enjoying this like moment. Like the past free podcast. It ha- negative.
0: doesn't usually happen. I have to enjoy <laughs> yeah, this moment. I
1: suppose that is true. Right, so I'm not saying, just before I go any further, I'm not saying that I didn't like the film. I thought it was enjoyable i thought it was entertainment but much like you stated earlier i literally yep i liked it entertaining forgot about it it didn't last for me and a couple of reasons why hit me with your (laughs) reasons right so
0: i'm holding a batarang at this point as well may i just state for the record yeah if you hear like a loud scream at some point i've thrown it at him
1: (laughs) right so obviously with every film that ever comes out there's different cuts of it you know Mm -hmm. some scenes don't make it into the film But for the trailer, especially the one that we had playing in our foyer, might I add, for a good two months, and it was the main trailer, I believe. You know, the scenes that were included in it that weren't in the film, and it really, Mm. I don't know, it shouldn't bother me because obviously with like the Justice League and all. More and more commonplace, doesn't it? Yeah, it's but uh, the one where, so there's a scene in the trailer where he actually falls off the cliff face like Mm -hmm. entirely, and that's not there. So it's like. Okay, had they actually set it up so he did die yeah. or something? You know that's not there. Um. Oh yeah, in the truck, and he's about to collide head on with another truck. Mm. Yeah. Again, what was that about? Like where yeah. you, you know? Uh, what was the other one? The so another way he breaks his ankle which he shot if you didn't know, him, like which I don't know how you couldn't. It was all over Graham Norton and everywhere, but while shooting it... Graham he... Norton. <laughs> hey, Graham Norton's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he basically, during one of the jumps, he pretty much... Mi- I don't, so Broke it, his ankle. Uh, yeah, I don't think he mistimed it, but like he missed... misjudged yeah, it. Like, I think he yeah. jumped
0: too early or something and, and didn't he, quite like, make the distance.
1: It, yeah, just showed him like, breaking his ankle. But they kept that shot, however, again, in the film that's taken from a different angle that shot it doesn't actually show the pan view it shows you it from looking at him like face on and jumping and i was I like i thought
0: they took it from the side from, i don't know from memory maybe,
1: but... maybe i can maybe i did just miss it like because it was such a split yeah. second thing but from the way i looked at it, i was like that's a different angle but i do know that, so, that j- did... so
0: just what we're clear about here the first thing that you're negative about in this movie <laughs> is not what's in it but what's not in it
1: no no <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, yes. And, and maybe stay for the record
0: <laughs> at this point as well. This is the longest Mission Impossible movie. It's nearly two and a half hours. So exercising scenes, I think, has to be done. It like this. I sound almost like a bit of a hypocrite here because one of the main things that really bugged me about Justice League was the stuff they showed you in trailers that wasn't in the movie. Yeah. I think something like this is. I. I mean. I. I certainly do take your point on it, and the filmmakers have actually addressed this since. Um. The. They were still finding the cut of the movie, but they were putting, obviously, exciting shots in there for the trailers. But they were still finding the cut of the movie, I think, up till a week before they released it. Oh, wow, that's... Um, <laughs> so it was cutting it close. The reason it anno- With Justice League, stuff like that annoys me, is because it's adding to the mythology of that universe. You know, it's like, who's that hologram Bruce is looking at in the back cave? Who's that Alfred is talking to? What superhero is that? So that adds to the mythology. With something like this... It's just another action scene, but it's not like it's not replaced with a different one. Um, but valid concerns, and I suppose it's different for you than me because I've maybe seen the trailer once or twice. Yeah. You've seen all these moments in the foyer, whether they're signed on or not, but you've seen the moments <laughs> yeah, and like... went. That looks really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing that in the movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there is a there's an interesting uh, interview out there because for McQuarrie, I think it was a podcast actually he did for Empire. Uh, movie magazine and he talks about it because again he he talked about those two shots you're talking about, the truck one and the um, the one where he falls. So
1: and there again not another one which is in the club mm-hmm. and but again he swings overhead but the rope breaks mm-hmm. so he ends up like almost free falling while falling on the rope in the club yeah. and again you were like I was watching that scene as it happened and I was like, where where is it I was like I don't get, it. okay so anyway, <laughs> um i'm just kidding yeah, i'm not like obviously i like the majority of things about it and you said the majority of things that i liked about it like mm-hmm. he's 56 years age, still does awesome stunts yeah it's i mean really that, cool. i didn't mention it before but that halo jump sequence yeah that if was you a... look
0: at how that's cut it's so clever because they have henry cavill run out but he's obviously run out of like a studio jet and then it pans back around to tom cruise there's a very small hidden cut as it pans round because then you follow Tom Cruise jumping out and jumping down it so if you looked at it and you weren't really paying attention you would have assumed Henry Cavill jumped out as well but he didn't it's obviously a stunt man but yeah. apparently he did that halo jump like 11 times
1: yeah because I just think, so they could get all of the shots I think they said that they literally only had about 30 minutes of daylight a yeah. day They'd like to get that done and so that's why it took them so long yeah. to- and I mean I will admit that scene is pretty incredible because it literally jumps straight into like a lightning storm and then that shot where it hits him yeah. and like, it, like the whole cinema just loses audio for a moment. I was like, yeah. oh, I was like, that's really well done. I was yeah, like, I there's a lot like of inventive that. stuff like yeah. that in it as well, which was cool. <clears throat> okay, so yeah, dislikes as I will continue on with here. Hear all did this you... negativity, I tell you. <laughs> right, did you ever see Atomic Blonde? Yes. Right. How were your thoughts on that? Just real quick.
0: It kind of bored me and it kind of just seemed like Charlize Theron knew she was getting a bit older she's never going to be as hot as she is now so we're going to make a hot movie where she kisses women is half naked for most of it and the action was pretty forgettable
1: but okay, that's me right. with regards to the twists in it I couldn't even remember them off the top of my head ok right if I'm so being, being completely honest yeah no it was like, so I can't remember it, but like, my point is the yeah. twists there's a lot of twists in it yeah. where come the end of the film and the final revelations revealed you're like well I don't get that because mm-hmm. you've had so many twists running here kind of felt the same about this film there's so many twists and turns. Oh, are few. And I followed them for a good chunk of the film. And then um, it just kept going and going and going. And I was like, right, I you should really the... stop.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought a lot of the twists were inconsequential. The only real twist for me was that Henry Cavill was a bad guy. But I figured that out myself.
1: Yeah, I, yeah I, but it was just kind of like, right, you know, so he... I don't know it was just, there was just too much for me to process in it. You know, I mean it like- they
0: they sort of insinuated twists but didn't follow through it was like oh Ethan is this guy which you were like no, it's not going to be that guy you know oh he's obviously snapped all these missions and he's setting this up as himself I basically I figured out the, the Henry Cavill twist when he handed his CIA director the phone and the phone wasn't damaged because he fell on the phone and they make a point of saying oh I landed on that I'm going to need a new one but when he hands a phone over to her that supposedly incriminates ethan it's obviously been tampered with but twists wise i, I don't remember there being tons of twists i mean maybe, maybe it was
1: just me in my simple mind but i just didn't i know Mission
0: impossible movies can be infamous for their amount of face yeah. reveals um but i thought they were really well handled i really again i will put spoilers alert up before all of this um but like i really enjoyed the one for example where they dressed up um benji as the bad guy, I could kind of tell that was coming though I liked that. I thought it was well telegraphed. Um, you you sort of figured it out towards the end, but you're sort of figuring out. I think as Henry Cavill's character's figuring it out. You're sort of like something's not right here. Mm-mm. Oh, they haven't switched. They yeah, they have. <laughs> I thought that was really well
1: handled. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other twists in it. To, it was more. To, I think more what got me was like you know it's, the bit where they're in like the. Like the whole tunnel connection mm-hmm. and his boss, like Ethan's boss, is saying to him, like, I oh, you know that's it. Now we're shut down. We're shutting it down. Then it's revealed that Henry Cavill turns, but he's being well, supposedly being like brought back, and they're all being brought in by his boss, and then he turns. But then Alec Baldwin didn't really turn because he was with Ethan Hunt all along, and then there's just these random people who show up and start shooting everyone. And I' was just like i you're like you're losing me. That's another point actually, which I didn't like about this film. Mm-hmm. in several scenes, there are just complete randomers who show up. It's not explained who they are, and it's just the chase sequence and well, it, this goes back
0: <clears throat> to what I said about this being adult entertainment. If you pay attention to it, they explain <laughs> all of
1: these they explain again, all maybe, these people. again, maybe again, yeah, maybe I just missed it, but you know, because I was pretty tired, but I, day, I won't lie. But, but no, just, I kind of you know, like
0: that about, like, don't get me wrong, I can understand what you're saying. I think the way we digest movies these days has changed. It used to be you went into a dark theatre, you didn't pay attention to your phone, you didn't pay attention to people around, you got lost in that world. And I think as movies have moved on, and the modern world's moved on, people have so many distractions. Whether it's, they hear a vibration in their pocket, so they straight away go to it, you know, rather than paying attention to what they're doing, that kind of thing. But I like that. I think this was a movie that you had to sit and pay attention to. Like when I went to see it, because I was so looking forward to it, I turned my phone off, didn't pay attention to anything else. I'll never leave a, I'll never leave a movie to go to the bathroom. Don't care how yeah, much no, I need I'm, to go.
1: I'm the same.
0: Happened to me the first time I saw Return of the King. A three-hour bloody movie needed to go five minutes into it. Didn't struggle through it all. Totally glad.
1: You sure your bladder didn't
0: burst? Yeah, totally worth it. <laughs> Apparently, it strengthens your bladder. So well, that's my excuse. Um, but no, I, I do think you need to pay attention in this movie. I do think that there are. Um, I think all those guys are always. You're always told who they are, um, whether they're on their side or the other side or whatever. But, I mean, Mission Impossible movies—they're known for their like twists. Mission Impossible 2 the reason I think it's the weakest of them all is because it's just oh my god it's face reveal after face reveal after face reveal and it's too much so it it can happen in this series mm. but for me anyway and again this is always just my point of view I
1: thought it was all really well handled I never felt lost um, maybe I just needed I think it's could possibly be to do with the fact that I didn't actually watch 3, 4 or 5 again before going to see this and I had only literally seen them like once or twice yeah. each, so I think I needed to go back mean, and rewatch it and before coming to see it, but I just didn't have the time. So well, that's it. I mean, it,
0: I'm in a position where I've seen sort of three, four, and five several times, but yeah. like my other half hasn't. And when we left the movie, I was feeling this, as I say, this really warm glow, and I was like, I was fucking amazing, blah blah. blah. <laughs> but I understand my opinion can sometimes be infectious. So before I gave my opinion, I said to Vicky, "What did you think yeah, of what that? You feel?" And she was like yeah I really enjoyed it she didn't seem overly enthused she was like it was really fun and um, and then straight away I launched into oh it was the best movie of the year and then I started talking about why and by the end of it I could see her starting to agree with me yeah. but that's because I obviously laid out all these points yeah. and in a way I shouldn't have to explain those points for you to enjoy it <clears throat> you know it's, sometimes people can say that's the mark of a bad movie if you have to explain it all they haven't done their job um, but It just rewards knowledge of this franchise, I thought.
1: The bathroom scene really pissed me off as well. Yeah. Right. Again, nothing to do with the scene itself. Mm -hmm. But, and again, maybe this is just taken from because I've seen so many films and because maybe I just, with some films, I just look too much into it. Mm -hmm. But you're telling me, in a club that size, with that many people, you only get five people who walk in before the fight and four people who walk in after it. No one's during and it's a sold out packed club maybe
0: it's like my maybe they all have a very similar mindset to me when a movie's on so they don't want to go to the bathroom maybe while maybe while this awesome maybe while this awesome DJ is playing his set they don't want to go to the toilet well that's (laughs) (laughs) it's a stretch it's a stretch
1: you know I mean? No, I know that.
0: I mean, there are certain movie rules. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I just can't. Like me and my mate sat there, and like he said the exact same I mean, like, thing. They, they address it a little me?
0: bit though, because when they first go in, there's people there. Halfway through the fight, people come in. At the end, people come in. So I think they do address
1: well, if it. If but... you picture that, like the Kremlin nightclub over here, it'd be packed. You wouldn't get a moment.
0: <laughs>
1: <You're> pretty... Wow. <Well, laughs> that big... could lead to a
0: whole other story.
1: <laughs> of what goes on of what goes on in the Kremlin <laughs> bathroom. <laughs> But you no, know, um, you, know, you like you're know, a kid. No, it's you
0: know. no, it's definitely movie rule
1: though. I think of any bathroom in any Belfast nightclub, and you think the girls never leave it, and the fellas never leave it either.
0: Well, <laughs> this is a bloke's bathroom, so it's fine.
1: Yeah, but you know, the guys themselves are in and out. It's
0: and it's no different to say something like True I'm Lies. Be, I'm being nitpicky. I don't know if I'm you've angry. ever seen True Lies. No, classic Arnie movie. No, where Arnie's a um, secret agent, but his wife thinks he's a computer salesman. James Cameron movie. He directed it after T two. If you've never seen it, first of all, you need to watch it. Uh-huh. But there's a brilliant action scene in it that takes place in the bathroom and no one comes in during it, but there is like one guy in a stall like cowering down trying not to get involved. Uh, but yeah, it is a of course it, yeah, it's a bit of a movie rule. Yeah,
1: it's like yeah. Okay.
0: Mission Impossible movies are not there for their realism. In fairness. Yeah. If anyone went yeah. through what Ethan Hunt went through, they'd be dead by the second one. <laughs> you know. Yeah definitely. There is that. Um and I do like that the movie actually ends with Ethan lying in a hospital bed. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Because it would, every other movie, he usually ends with him in a bar going like, I can't believe how close we came. And at least in this one, it's like, yes, he is human. He is in a bed. He is barely alive.
1: Also, Solomon Lane didn't like his character. Only
0: villain from Rogue Nation.
1: <laughs> yeah, only for the, again, being real nitpicky, but I don't care. You always did, right? So I'm gonna do it for pick a change. Away. Pick away. He did such unspeakable crimes and is such a monster, yet you get beat up within about 10 minutes and your only real strength is to try and strangle someone. It's like you can't fight. No, like hey,
0: Solomon Lane can't yeah. fight. He's never know. said he could fight. I know, but the only know, time he has he... power in any of the Mission Impossible yes. movies is when he's holding a gun or his um, thought process
1: yeah and again
0: he's never had a fist
1: fight in any of the movies Mm, okay fine let's maybe scrap that one then but But you know what I mean it's like you're such a horrible mean person and like no but it's
0: he's um... a mean person more because he's no humanity he has no problem strapping a vest to Benji at the end of Rogue Nation and saying like I'm gonna blow up this entire city block if you don't give me the bank codes he never fights in any of the movies yeah. Um. I mean it's different obviously with Henry Cavill's character in it like the, the CIA director even says it's like oh you, you, use, a you scalpel, use a scalpel prefer I prefer a hammer. blunt instrument yeah exactly so he's set up as a guy who's very physical <laughs> Solomon Lane's never set up as that guy he's, he's set up as a guy who'll get inside your mind Solomon Lane reminds me of a Joker type character he's all about getting in your head and all about making you doubt yourself rather than I'm going to beat the shit out of you because yeah. if it was a fight between him and Ethan it wouldn't even be a
1: fight yeah it's just like <laughs> You know. Also, everyone's an assassin in this film. I don't know It's a why. spy movie. I know, but I mean, every bloody all character I came movie. across was an
0: assassin. It's like watching a Marvel movie, going, "They're all superheroes. This is ridiculous." <laughs> watching <laughs> Infinity War, they're all superheroes. This is nonsense.
1: Just, you know what I mean? It's a spy it? movie. Yeah, but not even James Bond had that many bloody assassins in <laughs> it's it. It's a spy movie. <laughs> These reasons are
0: ridiculous. I don't care. I'm enjoying <laughs> pulling them side.
1: But it's like, oh yes, I'm an assassin. Yes, by the way, I'm an assassin. Oh hello, look at me, I'm an assassin. It's a too. spy movie. But look, look at Eddie, like look at James Bond. He doesn't even have that many, like, secret agents or spies. People, it's ridiculous.
0: I can't convey on a podcast how much I'm shaking my head with my head in my hands. <laughs>
1: Look, leave me alone, okay? It's I didn't a-
0: enjoy Infinity War, too many superheroes in it.
1: <laughs> Screw you. It's just, it's just, I'm here trying to make a valid point here.
0: It's, I don't think that's a valid point.
1: I think it's a valid point.
0: <laughs> His ex wife is not an assassin. Her new husband is not an assassin.
1: No, but they're Humanitarians <laughs> but they're human- One
0: of the main set pieces of the movie is based around a part where no one is an assassin, they're all in the help in a village. Boom! All the people in
1: the club, they're not assassins. No, for God's sake, now you just, come on. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh... Come on, keep them coming. No, you know what, no. I'm not going to give you the satisfaction (laughs) of it. He's huffing now, he's huffing
0: now. (laughs) He's realised this is the greatest movie ever made now, at long last. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That, That of course, is a stretch. That is a very... I mean, I, I understand from your perspective, like, again, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but when you told me that, I was like, oh... Nice. oh I, d- I
0: didn't say those words lightly like well, as I say I expected to enjoy this movie I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did
1: see because you told me that whenever you were like oh yeah by the way Mission Impossible best film in the year so far for me yeah. I was like oh I was like happy days and you, yeah. ju- you, you just let me down like a lead balloon I didn't let you down <laughs> you
0: seem to nitpick a spy movie as having too many spies <laughs> Yes. And and about and you don't like it because there's scenes in the trailer that aren't in the movie. Yeah. And you don't like it because people don't go to the bathroom. <laughs> your reasons <laughs> you're picking out here. are, are your put it
1: like that. That's pretty pathetic. But, uh, <laughs> I have to say though, I did enjoy Rebecca Ferguson redeeming herself as such after a terrible film life.
0: Life that's the one with Ryan Reynolds isn't it yeah number, my missus like, and her parents god. watched that one night but I smartly put my headphones in and watched my iPad
1: By god almighty that was awful the only thing that kept me from walking out was the fact that they teased they didn't confirm it nor deny it but someone had came up with the amazing fan theory and then suddenly kind of was like oh that would have been cool is that this was the origin story of how the symbiote arrives on earth I was like yeah, I was like, that's that's really cool. You like, to invent even, yeah. reasons
0: to enjoy a movie. Yeah,
1: pr- pretty much. Yeah, I think yeah, some. I was yeah, and I was like, okay, that's the <clears> only <throat> thing that kept me from walking out of it. Otherwise, I would have been gone within about the first hour because it was just all over the place, and it wasn't even really horror as such. See, just... he
0: can't even find reasons to not like Mission Impossible, so he's bitching about a different movie. <laughs> I have won. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: yeah. One
0: time, <laughs> but even just like things in, my, I don't know. I just I, I really enjoyed the depth of it. I really enjoyed like Luther having always, like there were there was bonding moments over like them trying to disarm a nuclear device because Luther's always been keeping an eye on his ex wife from a distance, and she's like, I know you've always been there. She's always like, you know, the world needs people like you and Ethan, and I feel safer knowing you're out there. Um, I even like where Ving Rhames' character Luther says. You know Ethan's only ever cared about two women, but there's no like big oh I love you scene or I've always loved you or anything like that. But you can see that the genuine care is there for Rebecca Ferguson's character in it. The movie doesn't need to be really overt with all this stuff. That's a game that I enjoy about it, and I think that's why this movie and Rogue Nation stand above the other ones because it's written by a guy who won an Oscar, like Christopher McQuarrie wrote The Usual Suspects, one of the single best movies ah. of all time and he knows how to craft the story and I don't know I, I just I genuinely can't say enough good things about it I absolutely adored it and I understand not everyone will have the same opinion as me and that's fine but I I was blown away back and someone said this there was a review I read of it before I'd actually seen it but I didn't read the review I just read like the, first, the opening line and someone called it The Dark Knight of Spy Movies. And I thought that's I did such that, yeah. a lazy comparison. I but then when work. I watched it, I kind of got what they meant with it. You know, it was adult-orientated entertainment. It made you think. It had twists. No two action set pieces were the same. That was the other thing. All the action set pieces were so inventive. And it made you feel like you had never seen it before. But there was one complaint Vicky had about it, which I should have told you in advance, then you could have added it to your list. Yep in terms of not being realistic she was like there's no way he's getting around that roundabout in paris that easily uh because yeah. it's like the most notoriously yeah. worst roundabout yeah.
1: in the world it is
0: um it but is. i was like yeah but he he achieves the impossible that's what it's about so anyway we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here unless you've got more of you how uh, you want to say no but <clears> let me see this list let me see this list let's see it <laughs> The random guys that just turn up to initiate the chasing for it. The shot of him breaking his ankle. So basically, you're you're a masochist. You want to see the shot where he breaks his ankle. <laughs> so the fact they show it from a different angle, you're like, I don't like this. <laughs> I want to see Tom Cruise actually hurt. <laughs> I'm only joking. Look, at the end of the day, as I say, if you didn't enjoy it as much as me, that's cool. There's no issues there, um, and I'm not going to try and convince you otherwise. All I can do is. Sort of give my views on it. Why well, I enjoyed it so much. You and know, where's your bin? That's that. Would you Would you like to borrow a lighter to burn up those notes? or
1: <laughs> Would you like them <clears> through <this? laughs> a
0: Anyway, that brings us to an end of uh, number 250 and 251 reviews. Up. Um, so, I mean, I'll put this out through the Coffee and Heroes podcast. And I know it's not strictly superheroes, but there was talk of the Avengers in there. <laughs> uh, talk <laughs> of the Dark Knight and um also Ethan Hunt is essentially a superhero superhero. let's be honest anyone else would have died at this point yeah um but yeah I'll put it out through our network I have been chatting with James he's looking at maybe initiating (laughs) his own podcast stuff
1: yeah I mean videos are you know like we were talking about this before we started this morning um as much as I enjoy doing videos and as much as I have enjoyed doing videos for the past, what, well, like three and a half years, um, yeah, podcasts are now kind of seeming to be the way to go. and Yeah, they're easier to listen yeah. to. and You can you literally know. listen to it on the go, that's the thing. Whereas with videos, I understand that you have, especially with some of my videos that I put out, you know, can be quite long uh, and, you know, you're having to then sit down and put your attention into something yeah. for a good 10 minutes, whereas podcasts... You can plug it in on the go whether you're going to work or coming home Sitting or house whatever. playing FIFA whatever yeah whatever so I will look at it I, I'm not going to give a definite like timeline as to when it'll be set up because I mean I'm pretty awful with keeping deadlines apart from my magazine articles because I have to kind of get them in on <laughs> they're time not, they're not his well, deadlines yeah, exactly so um <laughs> but yeah um. those ones just, aren't self-imposed pretty much yeah so whereas we're working everything in the minute just for the promotion and <clears> stuff so um yeah, I'll uh yeah, you will hear from me again. Yeah,
0: and then just a wee final postscript note. It's a little idea we've been playing with as well. Um I might actually do a little video and post it to the page as well because it'll reach a wider audience, but uh going to the Excelsior, it, it was a real pleasure and it was there was just love dripping off the walls. It's a guy who clearly loves cinema, loves older movies, loves the act of going to the cinema. Um, I mean I know I joked saying when I saw this it was like life goals but it really did feel no, like that 100% <laughs> and you know speaking with Roy I was talking about maybe doing a monthly thing up there through the store whether it be showing old superhero movies mm-hmm. new stuff I, it could even be showing a couple of episodes of a TV show you know that were important uh, in the superhero universe but it's something I'm considering doing we, we love the idea of showcasing independent businesses you know it's easy well, it's not easy but it, it would be simple enough to you know go to the odyssey or go to the movie house or go to the Odeon and say can we can we link up but i love the idea of showcasing more independent stuff than that and that's what the excelsior is i mean roy he doesn't even it's not even like he charges an admission fee he's the he's the kind of guy it's like look come up have a good time if you want to throw a wee donation in there that's cool
1: which is what i loved.
0: You know, and we and we would do that, you know, if we did run the nights, we would, you know, charge a little bit of a fee and just give all the money to Roy um for the upkeep of the place. Uh, but I mean it's even the kind of cinema, you know, you can bring a bottle of wine with you, you can bring a few beers, you can bring popcorn and coke, whatever you want to bring. It's not I know going to the cinema these days can be a little bit expensive. You oh, yeah. know, it it can add up very quickly. 100%. You know, um I'm not dissing cinemas here because obviously James has recently been promoted within one. <laughs> Um, but, you know, it, it can be a little bit more expensive to go. Whereas with this, small donation, drive to it. Bring what you want. Bring what you want, you know. So, <clears throat> so it's something we're considering doing. And I will throw the, the idea out there on the Facebook page a bit more on that. A few more uh, details on it. But anyway, we'll wrap this up as I say. Review number 250 in the bag. Review 251 in the bag. James is now convinced Mission Impossible is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> Mission <laughs> accomplished. Aww. And it's goodbye from us. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Mm-hmm.